This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks, everybody, for taking the time to join us on today. As always, a special welcome to those of you joining us for the first time. This is one of those interlude sessions that I promised. We're taking a break from the series on the sinister nature at work in today's world of UX and bring some guests on there. Time to hear another voice. Time to get Darren out of the out of the picture, at least at least partially here by having another voice here. And today with me, I have Dr. Ari Zelmanow with us on today. Very happy to have Dr. Ari. Those of you that are not following him, please do. He packs a punch all the time, and I mean that in the in the most honorable and the most pure sense possible. His content is absolutely phenomenal. And before we wrap up today, he's also going to tell you about some of the some of the offerings that he has. For those of you looking to learn more about research, looking to learn more about UX, we'll wrap up today by him giving us all the downloads about that. But we're going to jump right in today. We've got four topics that we're going to cover. Uh, so, but before we get into that. Everybody doesn't know who Dr. Ari is, so let's start off with Dr. Ari giving us an introduction. Welcome. Take it away, Ari. Thanks, Darren. I am super psyched to be here. Um, For those that don't know me, my name is Ari. I uh, am the Sherlock Holmes of consumer and market behavior. (laughs) How do I claim that? I am actually a retired police detective turned UX and market research leader. Um, I have led research at companies like Twitter uh, before... uh, before it was what it is today. Um, 100% of that. <laughs> I led, led research teams at Panasonic, Indeed, and I am leading a team um, for the communications unit at uh, Twilio today. I, uh, yeah, I am super passionate about the future of research and what it can be, uh, and am super sad about where it is today. So thanks for having me on today, Darren. Yes, yes. Very happy. And I'm looking forward to this. It's always going to be an energetic and a fun discussion. Okay, so that said, now we can shift. All right, that's the cue. Folks are starting to get used to that here on the show. Let's get into the topics. I wasn't going to use that today, but yeah, let's go ahead and use that. Let folks know when we're switching. Topic number one that we're going to cover today, UX research as we know it. Is it dying? Take it, take 100% it, dying. Take it away, Art. <laughs> People are going to hate it. They don't like to hear it. Nobody wants to hear that the thing that they're doing is, is dying. But research as we know it is dying. Now, is research going to go away forever and for good? Um, probably not. Um, although it's hard to predict the future. I can tell you that if we continue on the trajectory we're on, Research is going to be absorbed by other functions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is it is dying today. Yeah, it's something I know somebody's gonna say, can you specify what you mean by dying? So I'm gonna ask you to elaborate on that last on that last piece. I know I thought about somebody asked me before, is UX dying? Brawley, I said, technically no. I said, but I said that UX has been under siege for a long time, and that's where we are. I do believe hundred percent. What Ari just said, UX is dying, but but let let's let's drive that home a little bit more and help them understand exactly what we, what what is meant by dying. Yeah, so research has failed to demonstrate its value to businesses, and the evidence I would present is mass layoffs, um, mm-hmm. a scale of a lack of rehiring. Um, we are we are being let go and not being retained at levels that I've never seen. I, I've never seen. Yep, um, yep. And so what I mean by dying isn't that companies aren't going to do some level of evidence gathering or research anymore. They will. I'm not saying that UX designers, that, that research isn't part of a healthy design process. I'm also not saying that product managers aren't going to talk to customers anymore. But research is systematic inquiry. And the people who do the systematic yes. inquiry, the role of that that job is going to go away or it is going to change. And it's how we adapt to that change that is going to determine. 
uh, where we are. So when I say research is dying, what I'm saying is that the role of UX researcher in businesses is going away. Now, is it going to, to completely evaporate tomorrow? No, but I can tell you with some level of certainty that the pre-pandemic levels of researchers that we saw aren't going to be realized for years to come. Mm-hmm. We are not going to rebound as fast. Um, and it's because the role and, and what it is expected from a researcher is, is going to change. I'll give you a quick example. Research Researchers can be broken into two buckets. There are surrogates. Surrogates are those that do the work that either nobody wants to do, scut work, like I don't really feel like <laughs> doing this, so I don't want to do it, or re- work that is better uh, work that frees others up to do other things. So opportunity cost work. So like a designer having more time to think about the design of something rather than conducting interviews or conducting a usability test. So taking something off of the plate, that's surrogate work. The second side, which is probably 1% of research today, and maybe I'm being, being a little aggressive with that number, are the consultants. These are the people who are doing strategic research. They're thinking big picture. They're looking across the business. They're gathering insights and telling a story that matters to the business. That that function, I think, could live in the future. The surrogate function, uh, if you're worried about AI and machine learning, that's where it lives. That's where it lives. <laughs> and and I, 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 also something I think we talked about before we start recording too, and I think it'd be helpful for folks how do you think we got here? How did we get, how in the world did we get to a point where UX research was always a thing? Uh, I'll, I'll probably chime in on part of this uh, as we go forward, but but how do we go from UX research as a thing to what some people consider to be a boom, where there were UX research positions seemingly everywhere, and now all of a sudden it's dying? How, how did we get here? Because it is happening. It, it's it as, as we speak, the 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 bush of UX research is withering. It is a hundred percent, and it's a it's about value. We have done an exquisitely shitty job of articulating our value. We have, <laughs> as researchers, have come in and we talk about things in a language that the business doesn't understand. And I still see it on posts today where people are like, "We are the champion for the customer. We'll be the voice of the customer," and the business. <laughs> The business hears what the Charlie Brown voice that we talked about. Wah, 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 wah. They don't, they, champion for the customer only matters if it attaches to the five things a company cares about, which is growth, value, adaptability, risk, and speed. Mm-hmm. If you don't ladder up what your work to one of those things, all you're doing is surrogate work. You're doing something, you're doing tasks, you're doing outputs, you're delivering research reports. Um, and you want evidence of that? Look at the way research reports have looked over the over the past. The first five pages are always method justification slides, is what I call them. Mm-hmm. They're here's my methodology, here's my sample frame, here's what I did. You're like explaining and justifying all the things you did rather than putting forth the evidence and the point of view, your point of view backed by the evidence right away. My point to this is that what is I, I question, I would kick this to every reason. What is your value as a researcher? If you think your value as a researcher is to go yeah. out there and conduct research, well, that's why you're, that's why the field is dying. If you're going, if you think your value is to help the business make less risky decisions as it relates to the things they care about, Bingo. you need to start talking about the things <laughs> they care about and stop talking about championing user needs or because sometimes guess what? newsflash, uncomfortable, people might, are going to rail against this. Sometimes the business doesn't care about those things. They the business not. cares about growth, <laughs> value, adaptability, risk, speed. Yep. That's it. Yep. Yep. And, and it's funny, we talked about this too. I did a talk in 2015 in San Francisco at the UX Strategy Summit Conference. And in that talk, which was really, and I'm sort of summarizing, and I won't give you the little fancy title I had on it, but I talked about the fact that UX is actually unbeknownst to many, especially those people who are entering the field with their rose colored glasses that folks are passing out. They don't really understand what UX is and UX is a leadership oriented function. And one of the things that I mentioned in that talk was that if you want to be successful and if you want to be the leader that UXers really are, you have to speak the language of the people you're serving. 
uh, most notably stakeholders and clients. If if you're doing UX work and you don't know how to speak the language of the business, I don't care how great of a research you did. I don't care if it's the, you could have done the best prototype in the history of prototyping. If you don't communicate in a way that the business understands, which means you cannot speak in UX speak. They don't want to hear wireframe. They don't want to hear user needs. They don't want to hear even things like voice of the customer. They don't want to hear it. They want to hear what's happening, the, the terms that you just mentioned, Dr. Ari. It, it, it's, you know, what's the speed? What, 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 how, what's the impact? What, what are we really doing that they can relate to? And it's not until then that you get anywhere and people are going to, I'm crashing on the boot camps. They're going through the boot camps. They're not learning this stuff. Sometimes nope. they're going to the universities. Universities are falling off the falling off the tr- off the tracks. Really, right now too, uh, they're not communicating it. And a lot of the universities think that they're competing with boot camps and are changing their programs to compete with the boot camps. That's like saying, you know, I'm, I, I I need to compete with this kid that's got this lemonade stand around the corner. You know, when you got a full flown business, that that no, it's misdirecting, and the and the learners are suffering. As a result, well, they're focused on the they're focused on the same. They're doing the same things the researchers and, and UXers have been doing, yep. which is I'm going to focus on delightful user experience for our students <laughs> rather than you're giving them what they, yep. they say they want rather than what they actually need. And the problem is, is that research has left the connection to growth, value, adaptability, risk and speed as implicit. They mm-hmm. need to make it an explicit connection. They need to be yes. speaking in a way that the business hears it. And stakeholders generally want to know, what do I need to know? Why do I need to know it? And what do I do with it? When you go into a treatise on the methods you've used and going dive deep on max dip versus conjoint versus uh, <laughs> I, I, I actually coded and thematically coded, when you go into all of that detail about what you did, you lose the audience. Yep. What a stakeholder wants to know is, what did we learn? Why does this matter? And what do I do with it? Oh, NPS score? Okay, what is it? Why do I need to know it? What do I do with it? The problem is, is yeah. most businesses are like, our NPS is 11. Okay, what 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 does that mean? Like, that's, that's the problem, is yeah. we're reporting some kind of number like it's supposed to be meaningful. And this is what research has done. Historically, we've gone out, we do research. We deliver findings in a deck. Uh, we expect stakeholders to be able to do something with them. And then we store them in some sort of repository that is really akin to the graveyard. Of, that is like the graveyard of, of insights. Like you want, you want to see your insights die, send them to a repository. Um, and then you have the repository tools railing against that saying, no, we're super valuable. Remember, repository companies are selling a solution, right? So of course they're going to say that. Want something we talked about before we got on this call, but I think is germane to this is you want to make your repository valuable, start with the strategy. Yes. Like, start with the problem because the repository is not going to solve the problem. Just like a researcher isn't going to solve a problem without having a research strategy. And this has been the problem all along is that a yep. company's like, okay, we are going to hire a researcher. And the researcher comes in and in an effort to air quote, prove their value, They're like, I'm going to do some things for some quick wins. Um, And so they go out and they're like, okay, what do you guys need to know? What are your learning gaps? Where, what, what can I answer for you? And the the business doesn't really know what, how to answer that. So they say, oh, well, we need some usability tests. The researcher's like, I'm going to show them what I can do with usability tests. So they do this really cool, robust thing with usability tests, deliver it. And the stakeholders are like, cool, we need more of that. And they'll just keep getting into the cycle. And notice none of that was ever like, developing a strategy for how yeah. research should interact with the business at large. Yep. I refer to that as being a UX hamster. They just, they jump in a wheel and they just keep running in the same place. And you have in your mind, if you have, if you have an odometer, you may have run 10 miles, but the truth of the matter is you're exactly where you were when you started and nothing mm-hmm. has been done. And, and then now you suffer, the business suffers the users suffer, but most importantly, the brand and the reputation of the UX practice suffers. And then somebody in the C-suite is going to realize it, and the, the fuse has already been lit, 
And then the decisions get made. And here you are being shown the door again because UX as part of one of the main things behind this podcast. We're not here to talk about the work. There's enough people to talk about how to do the work. We're trying to talk to you about all these nuances associated with the discipline that are make or break components. The main one that we're talking about right now is you need to be able to communicate about the discipline. UX research, as we know, it is dying because everybody wants to get a job, but nobody wants to know how to cultivate things. Everybody wants to get a job, and you got some people who really demonize evangelization of UX. Well, guess what? What is evangelization? It's trying to help people understand who we are, the value we bring, and try to keep that train going. Because if you don't and you leave people to themselves, the perception of UX is going to die. The value associated with it is going to die. And and what comes along with that is, well, we don't need you anymore. Or anybody else can do it. AI can do it. You know, the product people can do it. Yeah. The, you know, just any, you know, matter of fact, uh, uh, this guy over here, he's responsible for five other things, but he can do it because after all, it doesn't take anything to do what you do anyway. That perception comes from us failing to represent ourselves the right way, which is done with every project, every conversation and, and, and every opportunity that comes up. We have to drive home the point. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. You need us. And you just keep doing that over again. If you stop evangelizing, then you may as well start sending out your resume too. It's funny you say that because I think evangelism is one of those words that is misunderstood a lot yes. also. Because yes. I have definitely, I am anti-evangelism in the way, in one way, but I'm going to, let me explain, let me, let me claim that. Yep. What I mean is you shouldn't go in and, and do a dog and pony show performance to like do a do. Let's not do UX or UX research theater for the purpose of doing theater to demonstrate your value. <laughs> Evangelism to me yep. is let me come in here and I'm going to help you connect growth value, adaptability, risk, Bingo. speed, the things you want to do. And yes, you're right. My evangelism yes. is I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm going to demonstrate value. And that yes. is evangelism. I'm going to demonstrate yes. actual value rather than coming in and do some performative dance for a business <laughs> that makes that makes people say, oh, look at research. They're so cute. They can do these things. And then what that leads to is product officers. I have a friend that says that he the company just laid off their researcher saying, we know what to build. And any research that we have to do can be done by product managers. Mm -hmm. Do you know why they think that? Because research was performative art there, probably. Yep, yep. Like where it was like, oh, so you're saying research is talking to customers. Cool. If that's what I think research is, yeah, product managers can do that. Designers can do that. If you're telling me research is usability test, designers can do that too. And guess what? If you're telling me it's usability test, guess who? Guess what's going to be able to do that soon? AI. Which means that yep. research might not go away completely. You'll keep a few researchers. But where you had a team of 10, now you can have a team of five. Or... Um, where you had a team of one and all you need is usability testing. Well, now you're saying that because the value of research was in the output rather than the outcome. That it's, it is, we in research going back to full circle to what you asked, have a value problem that we have not addressed and we continue not to not address. We're like ostriches with our head in the sand talking about all sorts of nonsense which is, it's also really upsetting rather than facing the problem. And the problem is, is who are we? Like, I think yes. my, one of my favorite movies of all time and books, uh, Through the Looking Glass or Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll, um, where the caterpillar is asking Alice, who are you? Like, she's like, I, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? If, you, if we don't know who we are, how the hell do we expect heads of product, CEOs and others to know who yes, we are? Yes, 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 absolutely. And and it's funny you mentioned that. And thank you for that definition and calling that out because people, will, they just make this blanket statement. No evangelism. But nobody knows. Number one, the people saying it many times don't define it. And then then you say that in a room of 50 people and you've got 25 to 30 different perceptions of what's being referred to. We And I love the very, very beautiful way that you laid that out because that's what we, that's part of our job. So when some people say, oh, we don't need to evangelize. Okay, so we're going to stop telling people what our value is. We're going to stop demonstrating who we are. That's suicide. 
That's UX suicide. We can't do that because if you leave them to themselves, they're going to start paying attention to what their buddy at the other organization that has a very terrible UX maturity level has to say about it. They're going to start believing the articles that are out there. They're going to believe some some post they saw on LinkedIn where somebody who didn't know what they were talking about. They're going to they're going to go to YouTube and see that that terrible famous now famous video where the person says you can get a UX leadership role with no experience and they show how she did it. And, 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 and that kind of stuff makes people think that it takes nothing to do what we do when this is a very labor-intensive discipline across the board, no matter what anybody is doing. We need to uh, represent, and we do not. A hundred percent. And I think it goes back to this. When when we say, like, hey, it's so easy, anybody can do it, cool. Uh, well, then, then we are now an entry-level function. Yes. And this is why we're seeing layoffs, and we're going to see pay cuts, and we're going to see things shift yep. because, it, because it is a function of our value. And if we are a leader, like you said, a leadership function, an executive level function, we could either be, I always say, we could be Bob the bagel guy. That's the guy that the people go to and ask like, hey, what, what bagel's good today? And he delivers the bagels. Or you could be Michelle the McKinsey consultant. She's the one the CEO goes to when the game is on the line. And when we talk about evangelism, what I say is, don't tell me, show me. Don't ask for permission. Yep. Ask for feedback. Show me what research or design should be. Demonstrate it, what you think it should be. The executive leadership function rather than, hey, we need some usability tests and doing that like dance monkey dance show. You know, like. <laughs> yep. Yep. I always call them dog and pony shows. That is exactly That's what I call what it, it. And there are way too many people who are engaging in UX theater. I was just having a conversation with somebody earlier. People want the job. They want the UX job, but they don't really want to do the UX work, nor do they really know what the UX work is. And, and now we've got a dilemma because the numbers of people who have that mentality is off the charts. We are actually being overrun by that mentality today. And people get upset when you talk to them about how things should be done when actually, no, I'm trying to show you how to cement your future. And pave a, a a reliable, trustworthy, and and a delightful way. I'm trying to delight you. When when Dr. Ari and I tell you the things we tell you, it's for the good of you, it's for the good of the discipline, it's for the good of your teams. Nobody's trying to put you in a trick bag. Nobody's trying to to, to make things hard for you. This is a path that is well traveled, contrary to popular belief. And some of us have traveled it and been successful. And some of us have, tra have traveled us. And it's the land of the emperor of new, with, with new clothes. It, it's a land of people who think they're wearing the finest silks and they're butt naked. We're trying to help oh. people. <laughs> Let's call this out. I would argue that people don't want the UX job. They want the UX money. And they come in. Yes. And like, okay, I want to get paid. And I want to do because Yeah. I think that there is. Okay. So. Junior UX researcher, should could should you come in to a business where there's an established research team and do surrogate type research where you're kind of learning the, the, the process of research? Sure. From more experienced research practitioners, not from somebody that doesn't know and not certainly not as like the head of research for a company. But to me, the job of research is we help the business make more informed and less risky business decisions. We help de-risk decisions. If you're doing that, that is that's the job. And if you don't want the job, I think what happens is people don't want that job. They want the money and they want to come in. And yes. the easy path to money is to be a surrogate. Oh, designers, what do you need? Oh, product managers, what do you need? They go out like a like a waiter and they take a bunch of orders. What's funny though is there are two types of waiters. There's the waiter who goes out and says, Darren, may I take your order? And you're like, yeah, I'll take the uh, filet mignon and the scalloped potatoes <laughs> and I'll have tiramisu for dessert. And they write it down and they go to the kitchen. Or there's the waiter that comes to you and says, Darren, tell me a little bit about your, like your, your dream meal. And you kind of describe a time when you were somewhere, uh, like you took a trip to, to, <laughs> to, to somewhere and and you you had the best steak of your life and you want potatoes and they and this waiter goes well I would suggest based upon all of that the fillet the scalloped potatoes yes. by the way there's this great wine that is a consultant 
The surrogate takes the order. The consultant finds out what you really need and delivers that. Wonderful. That's a wonderful metaphor. Perfectly stated. Perfectly stated. And and it reminds me, too, a lot the people who want the job slash check, they're order takers. They'll do anything for the buck. And that is that's why I'm, I'm such a big advocate for people understanding that operating in UX means that you're opting into an ethical operation. There is a code of ethics that's associated with it. There's a talk that I haven't delivered yet. And it was something I talked to the people with uh, Tech Circus over in the UK. I was going to do a talk because I see connections between the Hippocratic Oath and UX function. And it just helps me. And so it's called, it was called UX and the Good Doctor. And because I see a lot of parallels between the two, but when people don't want to have any, they don't want to develop any expertise. They don't really advocate for users. They don't, not only are not interested in pushing back when it's time to push back, but they are completely averse to it, which means that everybody that roll, that that partakes in the solution you roll, roll out are not going to suffer some kind of consequences. It, it's, there's gotta be, and I'm not, I'm not touching on the actual things in the, in the Hippocratic, oh, that's to come later, but it, it, it's something that if people, I mean, you get all these people that they're not ethical. That's why you have so many trolls because that's not ethical. That's why you have so many people that are willing to steal, even steal your work. I had that experience at one place I worked at. Darren, you're quiet. Darren, you're quiet. Darren, you're quiet at a new company. Okay, these guys are bugging me. I'm going to finally talk. So I start sharing everybody what I thought about where we were going with the direction of our of our products that we were dedicated to and everybody's feverishly writing and I'm, I'm talking, I'm going, why, what in the world's going on here? Everybody's writing. And I found out because a week later I found out that everything I shared had been stolen by five to seven people that were in that meeting. Uh, and, and so you get that kind of ethics, right? No, Darren came up with this. Let's get on that. That's how, that's how you go forward with that. But I experienced that. That's not the only place I experienced that. So it's, it's the ethic, the lack of ethics in the discipline. It just comes back to bite us and we'd be better off. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to go down that, that road too much. Cause it's going to get us way off track if we, <laughs> if we start going that way, <laughs> but it's just, it's just something we, we, we are as such a, to me, we're at such a crossroads. I, I heard what I consider an entitled person to say on, on LinkedIn the other day, they said that things are falling apart. People keep saying that things are falling apart in UX, but what if they're falling into place? I'm thinking, and that's what an entitled person would say. Uh, number one, number two, we don't get anywhere unless we're deliberate. And so they're not, they're not talking about taking any action. They're talking about things literally falling into place, like a bunch of leaves blowing in the wind. That's not going to happen. We, the direction we take has to be deliberate. The, the impact we have and where we end up is going to be the result of a deliberate engagement, deliberate oh, behaviors, yeah. deliberate acts. Not just I'm not just going to float and land. Oh, look where I landed. <laughs> no. In, in, in fairness, what I would say is some companies have high UX maturity, but the reality <laughs> is far more don't. And so it's very easy for somebody in a high UX maturity organization where their research and design is firing off to be like, hey, things are falling into place when the world outside, it's like like being inside a closed room and having the zombie apocalypse happen behind you outside, (laughs) outside. Like, okay, cool. Everything fell into place for you. But that's not, that's not the, like, that is not the broad reality. And it goes back to this issue of uh, love that yeah uh, <laughs> of who like who if you do not have a strategy or we do not know who we are as a as an in like in, in uh, the research as a function mm-hmm. if we can't define that we're going to continue to have these problems because different companies are going to define them in different ways and right now if you ask people what research is across many different industries you're going to get many different answers yes yes say it we're going to sh- we're going to shift. Okay. All right. We already talked about this a little bit. It, it, there was some overlap between topic two and what we just talked about, but let's just have you address this direct anyway, because some people they still, even though they just heard us talk about it a little bit, it was interdispersed somewhat. 
what is the value? Yes, you had a fantastic take on this. What is the value of UX? People need to demonstrate the value of UX. They need to communicate it. But some people don't know what it is. So talk to the people today. What what is the value of UX, Dr. Ari? The the value of UX is also helping the business create business value. Um, It's creating business value that also creates value for, for customers. So, but it's important to remember the value of UX is still attached to growth, value, adaptability, risk, speed. Mm-hmm. Remember that, like, when we think about the value of something, um, it is creating it is creating some some sort of outcome that the business wants in the future. And the problem is that research specifically is is in the business of creating outputs. We've created decks. We've done all of these things. We use tools. It is why people, you see posts about the fear of AI and machine learning. And guess what? If you're a surrogate, be afraid. Be very <laughs> afraid. AI is going to take your job. It's That's a fact. Yep. You don't have to like it. But if all you do is you go out and collect data and evidence and information, guess what? Tools are going to do that faster than we can, better than we can. If your job is to help the business make better decisions faster, well, your job is safe. You're a consultant. Tools don't consult. Tools are a means yes. to an end. You said this at the beginning, and I loved it. It was before we we jumped on this call. But like, a hammer doesn't fix your house. A carpenter with a hammer fixes the house. <laughs> um, and they're so like, yes. Uh, guess what? Figma. Figma doesn't solve design problems. Designers using Figma solve problems. <laughs> yes. It's, when you think about the value of tools. Tools help us do our job better and faster, more efficient, more effective. They don't do the job for us. Um, and I think that that's, we as researchers, if you think of it as a tool for the business, they're not, they're, they're getting rid of us because they don't see value in the tool. Like they now have, we're like a tool in search of a problem. And, but I'm telling you that you don't have to be in search of the problem anymore. Connect to growth, value, adaptability, risk, speed. Those are time-tested things that businesses care about. If you focus on those things, you explicitly connect the work that you're doing to those things, you will have value. Design, research, product management, everything, everything in the business attaches to, attached to those things is safe. Yes, yes. So it's a wonderful thing. Folks, make sure you understand the value of UX uh, because our space is navigated individually and as groups. And so the more you know how what the space is like and how to navigate it, the better you'll be able to steer your your career, your operation, and your personal brand representation within the discipline as well. So please know what the value of UX is. On to the next one. All right, topic number three. And you just sort of alluded to it. You're giving me some great segues. Thank you. (laughs) You mentioned tools. Uh, This is something that's happening. It didn't used to be. uh, And that's fine. You know, it is what it is. Uh, But we, we were not... Like we, everybody's always excited about tools, especially if you're a gadget monger like, like me. And I think Dr. Ari is too, cause I see this little, this little guitar over his shoulder. So that, 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 yeah, we, we all have our little things that we like. Um, and when it comes to doing UX work, there are tools that we use to do the work, but there is this inordinate type of a shift where a mindset where people are more tool centric then they are UX centric. And, and there's a difference between the two. Uh, I, I'm known for saying these days, half, some people will say half Thigma will travel. That's their mindset. They feel like if they have Thigma, that they can conquer the world. But you can have Figma. You can do work in Figma and never touch anything related to UX. And then some people, you do UX stuff and then they leave the Figma work to somebody else in some cases. Basically, topic number three is about the tool versus the strategy. So go ahead and talk to us about that, Ari. Tools without a strategy are inert. They don't do anything. Like (laughs) giving somebody Figma or just having Figma in your organization or having Maze or Dovetail or any tool in your organization isn't going to drive an outcome. Um, Tools Mm -hmm. help practitioners do something and they can help practitioners do something better by being more efficient, effective, helping them, helping them help the business make better decisions faster. But the tool alone isn't going to do it. Yep. Like <laughs> you, 
Giving me a hammer doesn't make me a master carpenter. It doesn't do it. Giving me Figma doesn't make me a master designer. Yep. Especially because when you think about Figma, it immediately plays into the stereotype. You're going to like this because this is one of your favorites of UI UX. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like when you hear that, you're like, wait a second, there's UI and there's UX. But as soon as you start clumping them together and suggesting that a tool solves all those problems, you have people saying, oh, well, UX is UI. It's UX is developing beautiful UI. It's, it is a, it's awful. I think the the point I would make about tools is you should have a strategy around what a tool is and how it works and what it does. And really, you should understand what what strategy is. And let's let's define that because people I hear this all the time on LinkedIn. It, it drives me nuts. People are like, we need to be more strategic. But I don't think they have the first fuck what that means. <laughs> what being strategic means is creating an intense focus on the things that matter most. So the strategy of a tool should be helping you create a focus on the things that matter most. It should be helping you do that job, your job better by helping you create that intense focus. So you're not all over the place. So I say that because a tool isn't going to make you into a great designer. It's not going to make you into a great researcher. Yep. And in fact, I bet you, if you asked people um, like what their favorite design tool or favorite research tool was before I asked this question and before you knew where I was going, <laughs> because now people will be like, it's my brain. But okay. Before I asked that people would probably have been like coming up with different tools I use. But the reality is, is the best tool that you have is to have a consultant's mindset when you're dealing with problems. So yeah, it, it is attached to your brain, but the best tool you have is understanding the problem that you're solving, the desired outcome, mm-hmm. thinking through the different solutions and the best alternatives to those solutions, um, thinking how you might accomplish that, a strategy for doing that, the timeline, the logistics, Evidence that supports your claim and the risks of doing nothing. That is the best tool. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody get that? All right. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a, a tool, as you were saying that, I got this image in my head of a person standing there with a wonderful hammer in one hand and a wonderful power drill in the other. But without the know-how of where to use it and how, that's nothing more than a than a royalty free image. Well, that's right. I, I think I'll take that a step further. If you all you have is a hammer and all you're looking for is nails, so like that's that's where the problem comes in. If if you're an expert yes. at a tool, yes. then you're just looking for problems that use that tool rather than the biggest problems in the business. And here's okay, ready? Here's the uh, here's the spoiler. Um, <laughs> the biggest problems in the business are those attached to growth. Value, adaptability, risk, <laughs> Yes. And, and you remind me of something else, too. A conversation I had with, I just started one of my classes at another university, and we do we had some synchronous sessions, and I was talking to a small group of the students, just reiterating something I've said over and over and over again, is that the biggest problems always, to me, appear to be micro in nature and not macro. And so not that macro solving macro problems doesn't drive business value. It can. But if you, t- if, you ever, if you ever spend any time talking to users to try to identify where the biggest point pain points are, it seems to always be if it's at the macro level, you are in you are in huge trouble. But some of the biggest problems are at the micro level. And, and I bring that up because only certain people have the skill to find macro or micro problems. So it's at the micro interaction, the micro engagement level. And, and so we, we need to understand that a tool isn't going to do that, but the strategy can and will. And, and so, so it's important to have that and then put the two together to drive your success. Um, what I would say to that is micro problems, when identified correctly, can have a macro impact. And it is the explicit discussion of that, that. saying how I've understood this micro issue and how I'm connecting that to the macro implications of growth, value, adaptability, risk, speed, um, the theme. Um, I say that because (laughs) if you leave that implicit, 
You're mm-hmm. leaving the stakeholder to come up with a story on their own. But if you're a good consultant, if you're a good practitioner, UX design, research, mm-hmm. product manager, it doesn't matter what discipline. If you're a good practitioner and a good consultant, what you're going to say is, let me tell you the story of how these things connect, how this thing leads to churn, which leads to throttling our growth. Mm-hmm. If you tell that entire story arc, now you're going to be seen as a consultant. If all you say is, well, it's going to, this issue, this micro issue is going to lead to a reduction in customer satisfaction, full stop. The business is like, why do I give a shit about customer satisfaction in that area? Like, does that matter? Like, but if you say, hey, a two point, a reduction in customer satisfaction costs us $500,000 a year. <laughs> All of a sudden, there we somebody's, go. somebody's gonna, ears perk up. Speaking exec. That's exactly <laughs> right, speaking exec. Speaking exec. And, and it's almost like we need classes just to help people learn how to speak exec. Funny you say that. I have just <laughs> such a class. Um, I teach a class called the Influential Researcher and it does just that. It helps practitioners, UX researchers, designers, um, be seen as trusted advisors to the business Mm -hmm. to grow an impact. Really what it does, this is the coolest line. I I was thinking about this the other day. It helps you collect evidence like a detective, report insights like a news anchor, and negotiate outcomes like a hostage negotiator. Wow. See, that's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. I love that. And folks get to hear more about that before before we're done today, but great stuff on the tool versus the strategy. Moving on to the next topic, the final topic. What do you see as the future of UX research? Um, I think that we have a choice. Um, it's like the matrix. You can take the red pill or the blue pill. Um, the, 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 the choice we have is we can continue down the path we were going, in which case you're going to con- see a, con- uh, a contraction in UX research. Sure, it will still exist in some way, shape, or form for years to come, but it's going to be more limited in scope. Uh, businesses are going to continue to use us as surrogates. And surrogates aren't necessarily bad. I speak about that like in a way that sounds mm. negative, but really a surrogate does two things. One, yes, it does the scut work that nobody wants to do, but it also frees up other practitioners to do other more uh, pertinent or germane things. It's an opportunity cost function. So research could continue to be a surrogate function, although mm-hmm. I'm guessing that AI, machine learning, and natural language processing things are going to remove that. So there will be fewer surrogate roles, meaning fewer junior roles that would exist. And then we can choose. Do we want to be strategic advisors to the business? If the answer to that is yes, research has a chance. If the answer to that is no, we might as well uh, start looking for other jobs uh, <laughs> because the field of research is is at a crossroads. Um, will designers, product managers, product marketers continue to do, use the, the research verb? Yes, they will. Research is not, the verb of research is not going away. The person, the person doing research, we don't embrace a brave new world. We are going to go the way of the dinosaur. Yes. Yes. Listen, Adam, (laughs) listen, Adam. And some people say that's negative. No, it's true, uh, and it reminds me of the whole, there's a nail in your tire, there's a pothole in the road, there's a sign up that says road out. Uh, these things come up to help us to navigate and to help us to make decisions, strategic decisions to ensure our safety and our success. Uh, and, and I always say there is no such thing as negative, positive, negative. I am not in that camp at all. There is constructive and there is destructive. And so when you... <laughs> Go ahead. Dr. Agreed. <laughs> and if all I was saying, if all I was saying is the sky is falling, the sky is falling, I would say, okay, that's really not helpful. But what I'm saying is we have a choice. We can choose yes. our path. It's like a choose your own adventure. We're just on the page at the point where you could choose to go to page 34 or go to page 110. Um, 34 leads us down the path of like your job is you're going to continue to see a contraction and businesses are going to continue to devalue you. You're going to lose your seat at the table and you continue to be a service function. Mm-hmm. But the other page, that is the page where you pull up the seat at the table. You don't ask for, for to get, for them to, to 
give you value. You demonstrate value and all of a sudden become the consigliere, the right hand to business leadership in making better decisions for the business, using insights across the business. You become the, the news anchor, the reporting function for what is happening and what matters now and what the business should do with it. Be Mc- Michelle the McKinsey consultant. <laughs> Not Bob the bagel guy. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. So we did it. We covered the four topics. And now we're going to move into our wrap up because I want, uh, he already talked about the influential researcher a little bit, but let's jump into full blown promotion mode here. And, and, and our wrap up today, Dr. Arby, just go ahead and tell folks about the influ- influential researcher, where they can find information, the whole nine yards. So a few ways. One is it's a course on Maven. It's called the influential researcher. It's uh, it helps you grow your impact, influence and career by delivering outcomes from research. So it's really germane for UX designers, researchers, product managers, product marketers, anybody who is looking to use evidence data from across the business, whether it's product analytics, marketing analytics, customer conversations, customer success tickets, name evidence source here. Use that to build and tell a compelling story and then use that story to negotiate a business outcome. Because what ends up happening is researchers historically have delivered the story. Sometimes some stories are better than others. We don't need to dissect that here. But they fall short in delivering or negotiating an outcome. And it's not about like forcing the business to make a decision. It's about negotiation. And people think negotiation is this like either I win or you win. But what I teach is how we win. Um, it's, it's having alternatives um, and coming up with the best alternative together grounded in the evidence. Course is fantastic. It's had awesome reviews. It's got a, a 9.4 rating on Maven. I've got tons of testimonials if, if people want to see that. But the, the end of the day, what people are going to learn is, is this. Businesses take care of the things that they value, and you will be no different after this course. They will take care of you. It will give you new career opportunities. It will give you the business a new understanding of what research can do. And um, we're seeing huge results from people that are taking it. And it is the only course that I know to this date for researchers or people who conduct research that teaches them how to speak like a consultant. Fantastic, fantastic. So, and what's this is on Maven? What's what? What, you are, Maven. what URL should they go to? I know they're going to have to um, write this down. It's but. Maven.com um, backslash interrogate backslash the influential researcher. But influential re- that's by hyphens. I guess the easiest way is go to my LinkedIn page. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, on the carousel up at the top. You can register for the class there, or go to my website arizelmanow.com. Sign up for my list. I notify my list of this course as well, or just reach out to me directly. And I'm happy to like talk to you about the course, about what is what is in, included. I'm happy to jump on a call to see if it's the right fit for you. Um, we it, it has been wildly effective, um, and so definitely look it up. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. So we are we are out of time on today. This is a great set. We we should actually revisit this probably quarterly. You know, quarterly interval will be giving me something like that for us to do that just to touch base on different things uh, because the, the topics and I love, you know, I, I had some things to say. Ari had some things to say. He filled some gaps for me for some things that I was saying that I think I love the way he built on those things. That's fantastic. We worked our, our, our thoughts. And I got to say this, my statement in closing today, because um, one of the things I'm talking about in the sinister nature of, of, of UX has to do with how a lot of seniors are not, we're, we're not collaborating enough. We're, we're not intersecting enough, I think is the right word. Um, nobody has it all. And I don't mean that to diminish anything that anybody says, but it's like reading a book. Do you read one book on information architecture? Or do you read as many as you can get your hands on? Do you read one book on UX research? Or do you read as many as you can get your hands on? Fill in the blank. There's the, the, with the in place of the books. Look at the 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 thought leader, and embrace what everybody's bringing to the table, and we fit together like a fantastic magnanimous puzzle that you can just you can just connect us together, and and as you continue to connect what our offerings are together, 
you get a broader picture. You get a more diverse picture that really helps to strengthen what we have to offer as a community. So I, I really challenge people to embrace that mindset today because that's how we go further. That's what we did 20 years ago. I read Jesse James Garrett. And I read Jacob Nielsen. And I read Morville, or Morville and Rosenfeld. And I read Nathan Shedroth. And then I found out about Richard Saul Worman. I don't just stop at one. And, 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 and the people, I'm going to say this too, and this is going to get some people upset, but I'm going to say it. If you think you're going to get everywhere listening to one UX thought leader, you are grossly mistaken. You are grossly mistaken. Although some people, that's exactly what they want you to do. We can't have it that way. Let, let's try to find out what everybody has to say. Chime in. Even some people that I don't endorse. Listen to them too. I know some people to be trolls. But they're saying they're sharing some good content when they're not trolling. So <laughs> go out there. Tap into it. <laughs> and, 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 and we'll all be better off for it. You know, the more the merrier when you really think about it. And, and our community, I'm all for, I mean, I'm on the backside of the mountain. I'm headed toward retirement, truth be told. And, and, and it's after, after X amount of time, you won't be hearing from me anymore. But, but I, I want the best for the UX community. That's all I want. I want the absolute best. I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> you know, the uh, Ariel makes some money and he should for what he's doing with that program. And that's that's the way that those things are set up. Susan Weinshank has some fantastic courses over with the Team W. You know, there's not a whole lot of me's out here doing what I'm doing, but the bottom line is whether somebody's charging you or not, if people are doing things for the good of the community, which is what Dr. Ari is doing, by all means, please support him. Please get out there. You're going to come, come across vaulted forward dramatically if you engage with his resource. So and that throwing my endorsement out there for it today. So, folks, that is all the time that we have for today. Um, so tune in. I may string together a few a few uh, segments with some guests before we get back to the to the topic at hand. But until next time. This is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.